Thank you, Jesus. I feel the touch of the Holy Spirit upon me to deliver to you a quick and yet prophetic word this morning. So if you have your Bibles, I ask you to join me in 2 Kings chapter 4. We're going to begin reading at verse 8, just two, three verses. If you don't have a Bible, it is on our screen. You can look there as well. 2 Kings 4 and verse 8. And it fell on a day that Elisha passed to Shunem where was a great woman, and she constrained him to eat bread. And so it was that as oft as he passed by, he turned in there to eat bread. And she said unto her husband, Behold, now I perceive that this is an holy man of God, which passes by us continually. Let us make a little chamber, I pray, on the wall, and let us set for him there a bed and a table and a stool and a candlestick. And it shall be when he comes to us that he shall turn in there. Amen. I want to preach for just a few minutes on this subject, making room for the prophetic. Lord Jesus, this is your church, not mine. You and your word alone saves, delivers, and heals. You know every situation. You know every person. You know every need of those present, those watching online. Your word is anointed and appointed. And I ask you now to confirm your word with signs following. Let there be a demonstration of your spirit and your power in Jesus' name. Let me walk in your spirit, not in my flesh. And would everybody say amen? You can be seated. Elisha is a prophet in Israel. It's the 9th century B.C. And he's often passing through this town of Shunem. Grateful for the opportunity to know people that he can stop in and visit on occasion. He's grateful for such events. But also the Shunammite woman grateful that the prophet would come to her house to eat a meal decides that she wants to go a little more. She wants to give a little more. She wants to take it up a notch. And so she implores her husband and says, we've got to do something else. I, I don't want him just to come for a meal. The Bible calls her a great woman. And if you look up this word great and you begin to uh, define it in the Hebrew, it means that she was wealthy. However, it also, in other writings, infers that she understood the Word of God and its application to daily living. So I believe it's both. I believe she had some money in her and her husband, but I also believe she had godly wisdom and understood, amen, the Scripture, or at least what they had for Scripture at that time. And so, after several visits, uh, this woman suggests to her husband, I don't want him to just stop in for a meal and leave when he's done. I want him to have his own room. I want us to spend some money. I want us to make it nice for him. I want him to have a place to stay when he comes. If you look up the words little chamber, you'll find it actually means an upper room. It was like a second story room. It's interesting that it could literally be translated an upper room or upper chamber. And if you know what I'm referring to in Acts 2, there's an upper room. Anyhow, hallelujah. I told you I got to preach fast, so you got to preach with me. Hallelujah. <laughs> but 
she, she decides to build this upper room, and they do. They take this place and they add a bed in it. This is so he can rest. This is so that he can have a place to spend the night or two or three or however many he needs. There'll be no charge. This is not a hotel where you have to pay. This is not a bed and breakfast where you have to pay, although she's probably going to feed him as well. But he could come. This is his room. He has access to it. It's his room. There's a table and a stool That way he can both eat, but he can also study if he'd like to. There's a candlestick there, so if he wants to be up in the wee hours of the morning or the evening, the late hours, he can study by light and have it there to to see in the room. It was designed to give the prophet, to, to have what he needed in a time so he could serve God's people. And let me just say this right here. What God wants me to tell the church of Omaha is he wants us to build him a room. Not just to come on Sunday and fill a goosebump and come back on Wednesday and fill another goosebump, but to build God a room in our lives, in our hearts, where He can dwell every time He wants to. A place where if He wants to rest, I want God to feel comfortable to rest in my heart, in my mind. I want God to be able to sup with me. I want God to be able to, to, to use my life as He intends it. Amen. I think it's time that we make room for the prophetic. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's time for some great men and some great women of God to read, to study, to apply the Scriptures, and to make room for the prophetic in your lives. And when you do, when you make room for God, God will show up and bring the miraculous with Him. I do not believe at all, if you were to read the the full account of this lady and her life and throughout chapter 4, you'll find that uh, it's, it's apparent she was barren. I don't believe she built this room desiring necessarily an ulterior motive to get something back out of it. I believe her heart was that the prophet needs a place to stay And I want him to stay here. I don't want him to spend his money at the Holiday Inn. He's going to stay here. But God saw her heart. And one day when the prophet was there enjoying his room, studying, praying, whatever he was doing, he says to the woman, you're going to have a child. And she's like, wait a minute, don't play around with me. I didn't do it for that reason. I didn't build your room just to get a prophetic word. But if you're serious, don't don't play with my emotions. I've dealt with this scourge of being barren. And he's prophesied to her, and sure enough, she has a child. If you keep reading in the story, you'll find that when that boy was 12 years old, out in the fields with his father, he began to get a fever. And he, he fell and he collapsed into his father's arms and, and he carried him back to the house. And, and she said to one of the servants, go put him on the bed of the prophet. Go put him in that room that I made. But it doesn't stop there. When the prophet saw her and asked her how she was doing, she didn't say, my boy's home dying. She just said, all is well. But the prophet knew something wasn't right. And God spoke to him and said, find out what's going on. Watch this. She, he comes down and says, tell me the truth. She says, well, he's sick. He's laying in bed. The prophet goes. The Bible says he laid upon him and breathed into him. And God brought that boy back to life. Can I tell somebody today, if you'll make room for the prophetic, God's about to do something in your life. 
But some of you have made room for the prophetic and what God promised you seems to be dying. Here's what I've come to tell you to do. Take that miracle. Take that promise and go put it on the bed that you made in that room for the prophetic and say, God, I know you can come through. I know you're well able. Hallelujah. All week long, God has been telling me We need to build him a room. We need to make room for the prophetic. We need to have a bed there. We need to have a table and a stool there. It needs to be an upper chamber. We need, amen, for there to be a candlestick there. We've got to furnish it so that God feels welcome in that room. I find that the Laodiceans, Jesus, was knocking. It could indicate that he wasn't in their church. I never want that with Jesus. If Jesus is outside knocking to get in, I'm going to get out there with him. Well, just saying, if what we're doing isn't attracting Jesus in our midst, I don't want to be here. You hear me pray it every time I preach. Let me walk in your spirit, not my flesh. That's not just rote. That's not just ritual words I'm saying. I'm praying that genuinely. God, I want your spirit. If your spirit ain't here, I don't want to be here. Plain and simple. And here's why. I can't heal none of you. I can't save none of you. I can't fix none of your marriages. I can't provide any of your financial needs. But I know who can. And I know when the Spirit starts moving. Hallelujah. There's things that I do know about some of you, and there's things I don't know about some of you. But what I love is when the Holy Spirit starts moving and the wave of the Holy Ghost starts flowing, I love looking around and seeing this one getting blessed, that one getting touched, this one getting healed. Hallelujah. Jesus was knocking. And this is what he said to Laodicea. He said, if you open the door... I will come in and sup with you, and then you with me. Watch this. Brother Matt, come here. This is powerful. If Brother Matt and Sister Julie invited my wife over for dinner, when are we coming, by the way? Okay. See how I did that right there? We're, Julie, get ready. I don't know what you're fixing, but I know it's going to be good. Okay. If I'm Jesus... And you invite me to your home. He said, if you, if you open the door and let me in, I'll eat with you. In other words, I'll sup with you. Whatever you're serving, I'll receive it. How many of you know that what we have to give to God ain't a whole lot? But how many of you know it's beautiful that God will say, I'll receive what you're giving? I'll receive your brokenness. I'll receive your hurt. I'll receive your pain. I'll receive your sin." I'll receive your guilt and shame. Why? Because I'm a redeemer. I can take what's broken and make it beautiful. I can take sin and turn it into salvation. So I'll come in and sup with you and whatever you're serving. But watch this. The rest of the verse says, and he with me. 
In other words, the roles will reverse. And now God is the one that is the host and you're the guest. And he goes, I took your sin and gave it salvation. I took your brokenness and made it beautiful. Now let me give you joy unspeakable and full of glory. I've whipped up some peace of mind over here for you. I've not given you the spirit of, uh, 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 of those things of the world of fear, but I've given you power and love and a sound mind. God is knocking today and saying, let me in. I want you to build a room for me. I want you to make room for the prophetic because I want to minister in your life. Hallelujah. And here's how it happens. We have to compel or constrain Jesus. Notice what she did. Brother Mack, I need to use you again. Walk by me and don't stop. Just, just walk on by me. She constrained him. Hey, prophet, hold on. He made as if he was going to keep on going. Thank you. Don't go too far. She constrained him. She had made plans. She'd already counted the cost. It's going to cost this much for the lumber and this much for that. I'm going to design it this way and put these colors. She'd already got it all planned. Submitted to her husband. Honey, I think we really need to do this. Thank God for wise men that listen to their, their wives. Amen. That's another message. I won't get off on that. But she constrained him. And he went in. So Jesus did the same thing. So today there was one night that he was walking on the water in a storm. They're over there having their you know, pity party in the boat. And the Bible says he made as if he would pass by. He was going to keep on going, Brother Daniel. But somebody hollered out and constrained him. And when Jesus got in the boat with him, everything changed. You see, here's the problem. God is moving in every service we get together. God is moving every day of the week. And some are constraining and some aren't. Now, God's powerful enough. Wonderful enough, gracious enough, merciful enough, he's good enough that if every one of us right now started constraining him, every last one of us would feel his presence. If, if Brother Terry constrained me, I can't reach to anybody else, but God's not that way. There were two Disciples on the Emmaus Road. Jesus is risen. Apparently they don't know it yet. Come here, two disciples. And they're discouraged. And Jesus kind of comes along. Hey, guys, what's up? What's up? Well, Jesus supped with his disciples, right? Sup. Okay, I know. Bump, bump. That was bad. That was bad. That was a dad joke. Anyway, he starts talking to him. Why are you so discouraged? Well, Jesus is dead. He starts going back from Moses and Psalms and the prophets. They're like, wow. They, they get to their house, and he makes as if he's going to keep going. But they constrained him and said, no, come on in. Hear me. Hear me in the Holy Ghost. Some of you are getting what I'm saying. It's not that Jesus is wanting to pass by you to be a jerk. 
It's not that he's doing it because he doesn't want to bless you. Hear me. God responds to faith, not need. If he responded to need, brother, we wouldn't need traveling nurses. If he responded to need, we wouldn't need hospitals. Shannon, if he responded to need, you and Jackie would be out of a, out of a job. He responds to faith. And when they constrained him, he says, okay, I'll go in. Watch this. When they served him bread, he received it. Every time Jesus touched bread, he did the same thing, the same uh, four things in the same order every time. He received it. He blessed it. He broke it. And he gave it. And when that happened, all of a sudden, and he disappeared from their midst. And they realized, he is alive. Thank you. All because they constrained him. They compelled him. So here's what I say. How many of you are willing to forego how other people may think of you? To say, you know what? Just like that woman with the issue of blood, I don't care if they look at me. I don't care if they judge me. I don't care if I have to crawl on my knees. I'm going to touch Jesus. Oh, I, I'm not speaking metaphorically in the future. I'm talking now. Is there, is there one? Is there two? Is there anybody willing to say, I'll get up. I'll make the move. I'll step out to that altar. I want Jesus to touch me. I want a miracle in my life. I need something from God. I'm tired of status quo. I need Jesus to heal me. I need Jesus to touch me. Come on, some are coming down. Is there more that's saying, I want a miracle. I want a miracle. Is there a Bartimaeus that will cry out the louder, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy. Come on, some, some are starting to constrain him. Some are starting to compel him. I know this front of the church hasn't any special element per se, but there's something about stepping out in faith. There's something about getting out of your seat and saying, God, I want you. God, I need you. Come on, is there more that will say, I've got to have a touch from God. I can't leave this building today until I've got a touch from God. Jesus, is there a Jairus today that will get a hold of Jesus and worship him and say, my daughter... Is there a centurion today that will say, Jesus, speak the word for my need? Come on, do you need the Holy Ghost today? Do you need healing today? Oh, come on, some more are coming. I wonder if we could just fill this entire altar up of people that are hungry for more. I know some of you are standing, and I, I recognize that. But is there more that will say, I'll step out. I don't care what people think. I don't care what it looks like. I don't care. I've got to touch Jesus. Come on, making room for the prophetic starts now. God, I want you. Feel my life. That woman made a little room, an upper chamber. I understand the context, but here I am saying, Jesus, take all of me. You can have every room. You can have the attic. You can have the basement. You can have the best room. You can have all rooms. Come on, I 
want Him to feel me. Here's what I want us to do. I'm going to pray a prayer of faith, and just like we did last week, I feel the Holy Ghost leading me to do this. When I say in Jesus' name, amen, at the end of my prayer of faith, I want you to shout. You can shout amen. You can shout the word glory. You can shout hallelujah. I want you to shout praises to God. When I say in Jesus' name, amen, and here in just a moment, okay? Lord, on the authority of your word, I have delivered what you have placed into my spirit. I have seen, God, this vision of what you have already shown me is happening and will happen. And now I pray that those who are making room for God, that you would fill them to capacity and beyond, overflowing, pressed down, good measure, shaken together, running over. I pray that those who need to speak with other tongues for the first time or to be refilled, but it would happen now. I pray for those who need a healing physically or emotionally, that it would happen. I pray for those who need a financial miracle, that God, it would begin to take place now, that you would write the check now and provide in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise Him. Just worship Him. Come on, God's touching right now. God's ministering right now. God's moving right now. The Holy Ghost is flowing right now. We're making a room for the prophetic God. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Come on, stir it up. Stir it up. That's it. Stir it up. Praise team, if you want to come, come. Amen. Come on, stir it up. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Come on, that's it. Let the Holy Ghost flow. That's it. That's it. somebody around you. Amen. That God would minister to them. That God would touch them. That God would perform His word and work in them.